season preview uh, we're going to look a little bit into each game give a little bit of an overview uh, give some vague predictions towards the end of the year it'll be a little bit harder to kind of predict what's going to happen but still give our thoughts and uh, we'll go over a little bit of a position breakdown stat preview of who we think is going to be leading um, so let's get us started john so john before we get started who do you think is on the buckeyes has the best chance to win the heisman Best chance to win the Heisman, I'm going to say everyone, it's almost become a QB award anymore. So if anyone has a chance, it's going to be JT. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I tend to agree with you. Uh, it's going to be hard for, you know, for instance, a Mike Weber to win a Heisman just because he's not going to get as enough carries. If you look at the running backs that have won it, one, they've been Alabama running backs who haven't had a quarterback. So you look at a Derrick Henry, you know, he's carrying the ball 30, 35 times a game. Mark Ingram was the same way. And Weber's not going to get near 30 touches a game. No, I mean, especially with the comments that were made about Dob uh, J.K. Dobbins this week, it sounds like he's headed, uh, Weber's headed to a split back role. So there's no way he'll be able to get enough carries to warrant a Heisman bid. Yeah, and if you look, at, we don't have a receiver. Granted, a receiver hasn't won it in forever, but we don't have a, a dominant receiver. When you think back of receivers who almost won it, you'd need a Larry Fitzgerald, and that's just not on this team. No, not even close. So if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be JT Barrett. I mean, we're going to win with JT Barrett. We're going to lose with JT Barrett. That's just going to how it's going to be this year. You know, there's really nobody else on this team. A defensive player, you know, has gotten close, but the voters still tend to stick away from them. Um, I mean, you think of some of the past dominant football players on defense. You know, Endomica Sue is one of the most dominant defensive linemen in the past 10 years, and he didn't even win it. So I think you got to go with JT Barrett as the best Heisman contender on the team. I still don't think he wins it. I think he might, he'll get some votes, but I don't think he's going to win it this year. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So let's get started. Let's run through the season this year. So. We are just over a week away from the first game this year against Indiana. What are your thoughts on the first game of the year? My uh, thoughts on the first game of the year, Indiana's going to come out pumped up. They get a home game versus the Ohio State University, and they get to basically say, hey, guys, this is who we are. The fan base is going to – the students are going to be a huge factor in this game. I think that – uh We'll be in for an early test, and we better be up for the test. Yeah, no, I, I think this one, I don't want to call it um, a trap game because I don't think it's going to be a trap game. I think in a long, after the end of the game, you'll look at it and be like, wow, like the game wasn't as close. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, in the first quarter, if it's, you know, 14-7 at the end of the first quarter, you know, we're winning 14-7. I don't think Indiana will ever really take a lead. If they take a lead, maybe it's just because they score first. Or we both score seven points and they go up 10-7. But I don't think that they'll ever really get a lead. But I kind of think they're going to continue to hang around for a while. See, I feel a little differently. I believe it may be a half that we're close with them for a full half. 
and it's 14-14, or they even may lead 21-14 if they can get 21 points. And just in that way, then coming out of half, we'll turn on the Jets and pull away. But I'm thinking it they may come out just that fired up that they may give us a hard first half. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think the first half is really going to be where they have their chance. But in the second half, I think it's where the true athletes are going to come out. You know, yep. just the absolute depth that we have on both sides Your of the ball. Your only lasts so long until uh, talent takes over. And I think, honestly, I think the biggest factor in this game is going to be Kevin Wilson. Yep. Because he's on our side and he's not on theirs. Exactly. Because having a player, I mean, not a player, a coach, a coach like that who was so dominant with some of the, you know, with a team that didn't have much talent and putting him on a team that's loaded with talent, I think you're going to see, you know, a massive, massive, you know, change in the offense. But at the same time, Indiana knows who Kevin Wilson is, so they have a little bit of the advantage with that. Now, I don't know how much of a similar offense will run to it, but still having you know him be a former coach and their defense was going against Kevin Wilson on a daily basis, they at least know a little bit of the scheme of what he's going to run. So I think that's why in the first half you could look that maybe that they're able to snuff out some of the plays. But in the second half is where you know when we rotate six deep with the wide receiver and you know ten deep on the defensive line, you know rotate three, four, five guys in the secondary. It's where they're just not going to be able to match up. Exactly. You know, the one thing that was surprising last year was Indiana. One of Indiana's strengths was his defense. And from what I'm told is that they return a lot of guys. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to score points because they're using their defensive coordinator, who has always been a defensive coordinator, as their head coach. Exactly. And they, and they brought in uh, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, and he kind of – is known for his conservative play calling compared to Kevin Wilson, who, you know, likes to sling it around and, you know, get a little bit more fancy with it. So I'm going to go score prediction. I'm going to go 45, 20 in this game. What do you got? I'm probably going to go 51, 37. You think you're going to score 37 points? Yep. I think they will. Bold, bold. I I don't think they score 37. I don't think they get three touchdowns. Keep in mind, I, the way they get to 31 is worth uh, is up big. They score some and garbage time second. touchdowns against some freshmen. Exactly. Yep. I could see that. I could see us being up, you know, four scores, and then they score in the last five minutes. They score a touchdown against a bunch of freshmen. Yeah. So, I could see that. You know, I think, like I said, I think the first quarter is going to be close because they're at home. It's under the lights. It's on a Thursday night. Ohio State's coming to town. It's not like they're playing – Indiana State or some MAC team. They're playing Ohio State, and they're going to get up for it. Yeah. Uh, so next one, let's move on to the next game. This is the big one. This is the big one of the first 11 weeks. We got Oklahoma. Oklahoma comes down. Now, last year, we all remember what that game. JT Barrett went down there and had his best game of potentially his whole career in no Oklahoma. No Brown had a huge game. Noah Brown had the only game he ever showed up for in his career where he had four touchdowns. Now, for this game, this is going to be a tough one. I mean, you go from Indiana to playing Oklahoma. It's not an easy first two weeks of the year. Now, give me your thoughts on what we're going to see. Uh, You're going to see – is 
first off, is Baker Mayfield going to be suspended for this game? It sounds like That's he's going to play. Of course. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be his. If they suspend him for the first week, this will be his first game back. So he may be a little rusty. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a game like last year where it's tight and you're, it's white knuckle time in the fourth quarter. I believe we pull it out, though, uh, because you're at the shoe, and the shoe's going to be rocking for that game. Oh, I agree. Last year they had the uh, home team, uh, home field advantage. This year we have it. I think so, the, I mean. I think that's the biggest difference for this game because, you know, we were, just like last year, we lost a lot of a lot of bodies, a lot of bodies. Losing uh, three secondary guys two years in a row isn't easy to replace. Now, you know, we've heard a lot of great reviews from the secondary, so this is where they're really going to get tested. This Baker Mayfield can sling it around. You know, he finished, I think, fourth in the Heisman last year. You know, he's going to come back and be hoping to try and win it this year. You know, he lost his number one receiver, D.D. Westbrook, but I don't even think he did that much against Ohio State last year. And I think he may not have played. I think after that game is when D.D. Westbrook really decided to break out. Uh, I'm going to look that up right now. But, you know, they uh, they lost a bunch of guys as well. They lost Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. So losing both of their running backs is is huge. It's huge, especially because they were both really good. It's not like just losing an average running back. Both of them, I mean, Samaj P. Ryan owns the record for most rushing yards in a game. So I, I mean, that's the one thing that really, I mean, Joe Mixon's about to tear it up in the uh, NFL. I mean, last year the score was forty-five to twenty-four. I mean, it wasn't that close all game. No, no. I mean, After if you came Baker to what we did last year of two twenty six and two interceptions with two touchdowns, you're gonna win easily. I just looked up. D.D. Westbrook only had five catches, fifty one yards, and then he had a thirty five yard rush. So he was held in check for the most part. After yeah. that game, he scored at least one touchdown every remaining game. So after that game is when he really broke out. Because he, mm-hmm. he only had less than 100 yards once the rest of the season. And so he doesn't have that kind of target this year where he can just throw it to him and, you know, be reliable and get two or three touchdowns every game or average. I mean, half these games he's averaging. He had nine catches for 202 yards. He was averaging 22 yards a catch against yep. Texas Tech. And Samaje Piran had a huge end of the year, too. Yeah, and Joe Mixon returned a kick against for us against a touchdown. So those three guys are huge. And by the second game, I don't know if they're going to be able to have their replacements ready. Um, so I'm looking at, you know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be a game in the trenches. They have an offensive lineman. I want to say his name's Orlando Brown or something. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. They have a, Their left tackle is being talked about a first-round pick. So that could be a battle to look for because who's going to be going against him is going to be Tyquan Lewis, going to be Sam Hubbard, Nick Bosa, Jalen Holmes. Who's going to go against him? And are they going to be able to get to uh, Baker Mayfield? Because last year we were able to. We were able to disrupt Baker Mayfield because the one thing about Baker Mayfield we know is he's going to elude some sacks, but he's probably going to run himself into a one or two sacks as well. Yeah. He's going to make a stupid move. He's going to run the wrong way, and he's going to get tabletop by Tyquan Lewis or Sam Hubbard. Exactly. So 
I think this game you're going to look for us. I think it's going to be a shootout in a little bit of a way. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we put 45 points up again. Not at all. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this game ends 45-35 and that it's a one-score game. All right. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is 45-35 and it's a one-score game. And, you know, at the end of the game, you know, we score a touchdown and put it out of reach with three minutes left. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, I, it could, could be, be uh, depending, depending on what Oklahoma, Oklahoma shows up. up. I mean, it, it could, could be a game where it's, I don't, I don't know, where it's, it's over, over in the first half, half and we're winning. winning. I think Baker Mayfield's the only reason that they're going to be able to stay in it because he'll be able to make some plays. It's going to depend on how their defense is because I, I know that they uh, they lost a little bit on defense and some key players. So if their defense can hold Ohio State and Ohio State can or Ohio State can move the ball pretty easily, that's going to dictate it. But I think it's going to be how well can we contain Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield can't do anything, then the game's going to be over at that point. Exactly. exactly. And, and keep, keep in mind, mind you had, had a year versus him. him. You, you already, already played, played him. him. So you, you know, know what's coming. coming. You, you know, know what your Mayfield is. He's been in the college football how long. I mean, I mean this, this is, is a... a you, you have, have a scout, scout report on him. him. Now, now it's, it's time, time to go, go out, out and execute. execute. So I think the one thing we didn't mention here is going to be a key factor is that Bob Stoops is not the head coach this year. You have a young Lincoln Riley going on the road for the first time, and it's not an easy game. It's not like he's going to another Texas school, not going on the road to Texas Tech. He's coming up to the horseshoe, and he's going to take on a top-ranked Ohio State team in his first, in his second game, his first road game. Yep. So I don't know if there's going to be nerves with that, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be a close one for him. Yeah, uh, I, I. I Kind of think the game will we'll win, win it big. big. And I'm, I'm saying, saying probably 45, 45 to 21. Yeah, I think this is going to be a 45-35 game. Uh, we'll run through the next couple of games easy, quick, because we go through uh, a lighter stretch after that. We go, uh, Army comes to town. Army runs a triple option. Um, I don't think this game is that close. I think the first half, maybe they can make a little noise, make a big play because they run that triple option. But after uh, after they get it figured out after the first couple minutes, I wouldn't be surprised if they have to start throwing the ball because it gets out of reach. All right, yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to how can we do the uh, play against the triple option. We had a rough time against it a few years ago, and now it's put up shut-up time. I agree, I agree. I, but I think Army doesn't run it as well as, you know, for instance, Navy does. So, I wouldn't be surprised in the first half. They make a little noise. They get a big play. You know, somebody misses an assignment, and they get a 60-yard touchdown. But I think by the time you get to the end of the second quarter, you know, we have a decent-sized lead, and they're going to have to actually start to sit, consider throwing the ball because when you get down three scores, you can't be running the triple option because you waste too much time. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. So I think we win this game big. I think we win it by a score of something like 45-14. Yeah, I mean, it, it could, could be that, that big blowout, too. 
I don't think it stays that close for all that long. I think by the second yeah. half, it's you know you're gonna see second, uh, second, and third team in. Um, what do you got for Army? I've got, got them, them at 14, 14 points. points. <laughs> and I scoring one. No, no, not, not too, too many. many. Four, uh, Twenty-four. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to UNLV. I don't think this game is even close whatsoever. I think you see second team in there in the first half. Yeah. yeah. It, well, well, Urban doesn't, doesn't like to do that, that so it'll, it'll be second, second half for the uh, second, second team, team, but still, still it's going to be – it'll be a rough, rough game for UNLV. I could see us dropping 60 on UNLV. Let's put it that way. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, Urban doesn't, doesn't technically like, like to run, run the score up. up. But, but he looks on score up. He doesn't tell his players not to score. Let's put it that way. He doesn't tell his second team players that not to score. Exactly. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a sixty-three to ten game because UNLV is not good at all. No. UNLV. I was listening to somebody the other day. They were UNLV was hoping for four wins this year. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, not, not good. good. So that just shows what they're looking for. You know, then we go to Rutgers. This is a blowout as well. This is another oh, yeah. blowout. I'm sorry. 54 enough? Probably. I'm sorry, Rutgers. I mean, the only ch- I think they might score something because they're at home. That's the only reason I think they would score some points. Yeah, yeah I mean, if 54 7? Maybe. I could, I could see that. I could see us dropping 50 and they maxing out at 10 points. This Maybe. is just another blowout. Like, I really don't even want to talk about Rutgers at this point. I just know they have a bunch of grad transfers and that they're going to play with a bunch of one-year guys who've never played together before. So, exactly. It could be it could be get real ugly um, because Ohio State's going to be – at that point, we could really be moving, and it's, I just don't think that there's too much of a chance there. Next we go – next Maryland comes to town. I was at that game last year, and it was an ass game. Oh, every version of an ass whoop I've ever seen in my life. And I expect no different this year. Same thing. Maryland is not very good. DJ Durkin's a good coach, but he's not working with much right now. Nope. It'll be 54-0. Same thing. Next one's – I think the next one could be a trap game. We go through a, we go through a stretch right here that I could think it would be a trap game. At Nebraska, there's a chance that'll be a night game. Nebraska under the lights. I think they'll get up for the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely they'll get, get up, up, but yeah, they got to wonder how up they're going to get. I mean, we saw what we did to them last year. We yes. saw how bad it was. Now, they lost their starting quarterback. They're bringing in a guy from Tulane, Tanner Lee, I think his name. They're going to try to run more of a pro-style offense. And I think that runs right into the Buckeyes' hands. Running a pro-style offense and telling us to beat you, beat us with your arm. You know, it's not work out well for we have some lockdown corners. I know at one point earlier this summer they were worried about having any depth at wide receiver. They were talking about playing freshmen like a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be our first chance to see good old Tyjon Lindsay because they're most likely play. Uh, yeah. Unless, Unless you, uh, they try to redshirt Which I don't think they will because they have no depth at wide receiver. Exactly. So, so if they're retro, that either shows one or two things. You dodge bullet because he's not ready at all, or 
they just, just don't, don't have, have confidence, confidence in them. I agree. I agree. You know, I think, uh, but if it's a night game, you know, I could see this game being a little bit closer. Also because Penn State's the next game, but we do get a bye week after Nebraska, which should prevent any looking ahead. Yeah. Which is what I'm hoping for. So, trying to look. I think if Jordan Westerkamp is still at Nebraska, it feels like he's been there for 9,000 years at this point. Because he was their leading receiver last year. No, he's actually playing in the NFL finally. And the same thing with their leading running back, um, Terrell Newby. So they replaced starting running back, starting quarterback, and number one wide receiver. Now, I don't know who else they have. Because after Jordan Westerkamp, nobody had more than two wide receivers. Or two re- uh, receiving touchdowns. Jordan Westerkamp had five. And then the next three guys had three. Um, so they return Stanley Morgan Jr., who had 757 yards. Brandon Ryan. Yeah. And he's the only one. Out of their top four receivers, they only return one of them. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's hard, hard to do anything, anything when you have, have wide receivers you don't know. know. So, Especially. yeah, like, like I said, Stanley Morgan Jr. is the only one who's returning. And he had 33 catches last year for 453 yards. What I said earlier was his career total. Uh, mm-hmm. So you just don't know what you're going to get out of a wide receiver in core that doesn't have much. And that's why they were saying that they're not sure what they're going to have receiver-wise because when you lose that many guys, you know, when you play freshman, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of them, how good they're route running, how good is they're blocking. Now, they do return uh, their second leading running back. Who had 412 yards last year, but I don't know how much of that came in actual time compared to mop-up duty. Correct. I mean, it's going to be an experiment, experiment, you know? So, like, for instance, when you look at DeMario McCall's stats, DeMario McCall had almost 300 yards last year, but he never really played in, you know, a time where it mattered. He had tons of mop-up duty. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it... It's, it's going to be, be one of those games, games where it all depends on how well the match. Exactly. So this could go either way. It could be, you know, fourth quarter and it's, you know, a one-score game. Or it could be fourth quarter and blowout. And yeah. if this was in Columbus, it would be a blowout. But since it's yeah. in Nebraska, I think there's a shot that they could can make it a trap game. But we could be rolling at that point after not playing anybody tough for almost a month. I think, I think it'll, it'll be a blowout. So... Well, then we go after Nebraska, we get the bye week. And the bye week comes at a perfect time, in my opinion. Because at that point, we should be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 0 with five games remaining. And then after the bye week, we get the revenge game. Yeah. Penn State comes to town. And And I do not think this is going to be be close. Nope. Nope. I think they are going to be seeing red. They're going to be wanting blood. And Saquon Barkley has not done much against Ohio State in the past few years. We're about about the the only only team he hasn't done anything anything against. So I'm going to pull off his game log. Because I remember last year... Last year, he technically ran for 99 yards, but he had a 
long of 37, and they only gave him the ball 12 times because they weren't moving the ball well at all. That was his second lowest carry total of the year. And not really sure. I know he wasn't injured because he ran for 200 yards a week four and 200 yards a week after. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it was just our defense up to the task and one at him. So I was wrong. I was wrong. The year before when we when we when we beat him up, when we beat him up 38 to 10, he did have almost 200 yards. But I'd have to look at when those yards came because he didn't score and they only scored 10 points. So he didn't mm-hmm. reach the end zone. And let me see if he was overshadowed by Zeke cuz yeah, Zeke had 153 yards and a touchdown. So it's not like Saquon Barkley was you know the star. Well, like, of the game. It's not like he was the star of the game. No. Because we had, we scored 38 points. And yep. Saquon Barkley couldn't score, and Christian Hackenberg was once again awful. They did give yeah. him the ball more than anything else. They gave him 26 times, and Christian Hackenberg only threw the ball 13 times. That's probably an issue because our defense was pretty good that year. Um, yeah, Hackenberg probably couldn't break, break a huddle, huddle back, back then either. either. Yeah, he still can't break a huddle. Things that you don't learn at Penn State breaking a huddle. So, I got this game. I got it being similar to what it was two years ago, 38-10. to 10. I would not be surprised if, you know, it's... 38-17. I'll give him two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's going to be, be close, close, I think. I think uh, they'll, they'll, they'll keep it closer, closer early, and then at, at the, the end, end of the game, game we just pull away. I think their biggest loss last year was losing Chris Godwin because Trace McSorley likes to run around and chuck it up, and he doesn't have that receiver that can do it. Maybe they find one. But Chris Godwin was really good at just jumping up and grabbing the ball. Yep. You saw that in the in the Rose Bowl. And maybe they have somebody on the roster that can do it. But when they have a guy, they lose a guy with experience like that, it hurts. And it hurts a lot. I don't know if he'll be able to do that. Plus, I'm hoping he just gets able to by Tyquan Lewis and uh, Sam Hubbard. You oh, really, really do not, not like, like that, that kid. kid. I do not like him at all. Oh, my gosh. He's not even good. He is not uh, even good. I what I don't understand people's obsession with him. He chucks it up. He does no accuracy. If you watch that last drive of the Rose Bowl, he threw the play he got picked off on. He threw the same exact pass and almost got picked off before that. So what does he do? They're tied up with third and long with under a minute left. Let's throw the same exact play that we almost got picked off on. I was like, you're an uh, idiot. Well, hey. Everyone, Everyone wants Johnny, Johnny Manziel, Manziel. And, well, he, he thinks he's Johnny. Johnny. Everybody thinks they can be Johnny Manziel. The problem is there was only one Johnny Manziel, and there will only ever be one Johnny Manziel. <laughs> he was okay. He wasn't great. He, he, Trust he, me. He, he, I, mean, I got to see him firsthand. He wasn't he was good. good. Well, yeah, you, you're a Browns fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone that plays for the Browns is bad. I mean, not, not everyone, everyone, but... We'll go off Sorry, Browns, my Browns rant later. Other than Joe Thomas, there's never been a good Browns player. That's, yeah. my, that's my personal opinion. <laughs> that's my personal yeah, opinion. Joe Thomas is the only good one that's ever played for the Browns. Eh. That's why I'm hoping Saquon Barkley gets drafted by the Browns because then he's going to suck. Eh, we'll, we'll see. see. I mean, we, we have, have for a while, well, but... Anyway, uh, 
I think this Penn State, Penn State game, you're going to see a student section, too, that is absolutely enraged also. Because oh, remember, everyone wanted to see, oh, we're, going, we're Big Ten Championship game. We're going, we're going, Penn State beats us. That student section was ready to go party in for that Big Ten Championship game. Penn State ruined it. Just keep that back of your head for that game, too. I mean, it's going to be the team's out for blood, and students are probably out for blood, too, because they don't forget it. Oh, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be incredibly loud. If only it was a night game, though. I'm still upset it's at 3.30 because Fox decides they want to play the World Series at night. Play the World Series at, like, 1 on Saturday. Everybody will be happier. But, but moving forward, I still think it's going to be 38-17. I think it's gonna, we're going to get up on them early and they just won't be able to come back. Exactly. So moving forward, this is what I got as the biggest trap game of the year. The next week we go to Iowa in Iowa City. They're going to be ready. And there's a chance that we could be have a little bit of a hangover from the week before. There's, there's a chance, but it's unlikely. I think there's a chance. Because it happened to us after we lost to uh, Penn State this past year. Northwestern came to town, and Northwestern almost beat us. So I wouldn't be surprised if we go out there, and they're going to be ready. It's probably going to be another night game. And that stadium just has a different feel at night. Well, Urban's boys have been been through through night games before in hostile territory. Oh, I agree. I mean... I don't, don't see it as a trap game, game at all. I think, think Urban is going to have boys ready, ready to go, go in and take care of business. I think they're going to be ready, but I think this is the game that I was going to circle on their schedule because I think Penn State comes to town as well. But I think they're going to have this game circled saying, we won Ohio State because they've seen Penn State. We haven't been to Iowa, I think, in five years. So they're well, going to be ready. None of them have seen us be in Iowa in a while. The student section is going to be up. The fans are going to be ready. They're going to be talking about this game for a while, but I don't think they have the talent. It's not like it's going to be one of Iowa's better teams, you know, like a couple years ago. I think this is going to be an average team, a seven-win team. And when you combine that with what we have, and if we come off a big win and we're rolling, then they could be in trouble. But I still think it's a little bit closer than people think. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. I think it'll be an easy win, but not huge. I think we win 42-24, but it's 35-24 entering the the fourth. So it's an 11-point game where it's like if they get something, they could make a move, but they just don't do anything. It ends up being 42-24. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go around the same uh, prediction. After that, Michigan State comes to town. I don't think this one's really close at all either. Michigan State is a bad team. Michigan State, think about it. They were a senior-laden senior team last year, and they won three games. And now they need to replace something like, I think it was a half of their starters were seniors or something like that last year. I think they had like 13 seniors on the starting last year. And I understand Mark Antoni, like, uh, Mark Antonio, what's his name? I keep getting, I keep saying he's Mike D'Antoni. Mark D'Antonio uh, recruits well, but when you have guys without experience, I just don't think this is going to be a good year for them. Exactly. It's, 
I think, I think it, they'll, they'll give, give us a game. game. I'm not sure they, they have enough firepower to unsee us. So, let's just recap right now. We both have us at 10-0 and right now with two games left. Is that correct? You yeah. See a, uh, I think we have one of the easier schedules that we've had the past couple of years with the exception of Oklahoma because most of our tough games are at home. If you want to yeah. consider our tough road games being Nebraska and Iowa, that's a pretty good schedule. So then we yeah. go into the second last week of the year and we go and we host Illinois. And there is a chance Illinois could have a new coach by that point. Yeah, there is a very good chance. Because just the, the way, way everything went, went down before and how, how love he got, got there is kind of like. Okay, okay, bud, time to show up. You're the NFL coach and everything, and you haven't really done anything. It, it feels so awkward because it doesn't feel like Lovey Smith should be coaching at Illinois. No. Because he's a good coach, but he's at a place where it's so hard to recruit, so hard to bring talent in, that you're trying to coach bad players to be good. And granted, if you run the right system and you know you have some you know underrated guys, like you can do it. But Illinois is such a hard place to win. Yep. Because in the Midwest, the best players, either you know they go to Wisconsin, they go to Ohio State, they go to Michigan, or they just go south. Yeah. yeah. They go to Nebraska. They don't. The best players in Illinois do not stay in Illinois. And well, that's, that's also on Illinois at their, their feet, feet because they, they can't keep their, their in-state talent, talent in state. state. Ohio State can, Michigan can, Illinois, that's why they struggle so much. They can't keep their talent in state. And now I don't know how good of a football state Illinois is. I don't want to say it's like actually that good. But so let me look at last year's. Uh, so right now this year's recruiting rankings based on Illinois. So their number one player is tight end. His name's Luke Ford, but he's not committed right now. Number two is to Northwestern, number three to Wisconsin, number four to Notre Dame, number five to Virginia Tech, number six to Minnesota, number seven to Northwestern, number eight to Penn State, number nine to Iowa, and number 10 to West Virginia. I'm scrolling down, and I still do not even see an Illinois player. The first Illinois player is their 26th best player in Illinois. There's a player going to Harvard in front of Illinois. Western Kentucky. Every other state raids for the talent. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, mean well, why, why not? When you see they they aren't, they aren't taking care of their state, state so why not? Why would you not go and write their, their talent? talent? At least Northwestern is getting some of these guys. I mean, Northwestern's hard to get into, but Illinois, I can't imagine it's actually all that hard to get into. Like, I, I, I mean, you also have Notre Dame or Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, whichever one you, you call it, state right, right over. over. And they like, hey guys, come on over. They wanted if they wanted some of these guys, like Notre Dame could walk over and just take some of these guys. Oh yeah. yeah. Same with Wisconsin. Wisconsin could just walk down and say, "We're Wisconsin. Do you want to come play for us?" It's definitely a more prestigious program at this point. So, yep. Like this, this Illinois game is not going to be close. It's going to be Senior Day. It's going to be JT Barrett's last game in the shoe. You're going to be talking about a couple other guys going to be the last game in the shoe: Jamarco Jones, Chris Worley. Taekwon Lewis, most likely Sam Hubbard, Jalen Holmes, Tracy Sprinkle, Billy Price. These guys are going to go out with a monstrous bang. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, be a 59. 59. I'll, I'll give them three, three points. points game. Yeah. I, and I think their points come in garbage time. Yeah, I exactly. I don't think it's going to be close at all. Having Illinois, my only concern with this game is that it's the week before Michigan. It'll The Illinois game will probably be at noon, though, so that'll be the one saving grace. It's not going to be like a late game where you know, they're going to have all this time to look forward, like think about it. It's going to be a noon yep. game, so they'll be able to get up early, go to, go to this field, and get the game over with. And senior day, I don't think they're going to look ahead. It's not like last year where we played an away game at Michigan State before. Mm-hmm. And after Iowa, they really can't look ahead because you can look ahead. You can't really look ahead to a game at the end of the month. No. You can't look ahead to a game three games away. No. no. Not no. at all. I think our schedule lines up pretty well. There's really no looking ahead, especially when the bye week falls. So, you know, I think we're 11 after we beat Illinois, and then we head up to Michigan. And this game, as we know, is always, always unpredictable. But I don't think that they're going to beat us. I think that we go 4-0 and against uh, Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, I think Captain uh, Khaki over there... Uh... Loses another, another one. one. By, By the way, way hashtag, hashtag spot, spot was good. Uh, spot is always yeah. good. I mean, unless, unless you don't, don't know what a straight line is, is then yeah, yeah, spot was good. good. But uh, anyway, they're gonna, gonna play tough as usual. But I want to reserve judgment on this game until I see who's their starting quarterback and how they've been playing all year. Because I mean, right now it's a three-man thing, and the longer Harbaugh drags it out. The harder it is for his team to get with his receiver. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like it's hard for them to replace Wilton Spate because I I get it. he's not like he's not a guy that's gonna go out there and win you games. He's not a guy that's gonna be all right. We're putting our everything on the back of Wilton Spate and he's gonna be a stud. He's not gonna be like a Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. He's a he's, he's not, not gonna, gonna win you games. And he's not gonna, gonna lose games. games. He lost them the Ohio State game. Eh. I'll put it out there. I will put that there. He fumbled the ball at the one-yard line, and he threw a pick six, and he threw another pick to Jerome Baker. So, I will put it out there that I believe he lost that game for them. He played well, but I think he still lost the game for them. But, other than that, I think he's... He's not a guy that'll make too many mistakes, but I don't think he's going to make any passes that go, wow, like unbelievable win you the game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He did have that one pass at the end of the first overtime with in the four, uh, on fourth down that I was pretty surprised, but I'll give that one more credit to the receiver because he made a pretty incredible catch. Yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, it, if, if they, they don't start spate, it's, it's like, like you have unknown, unknown guys trying to win this, this pre- job and Michigan is a big job to win you have a lot of pressure on you can those kids handle that pressure I agree it depends on if you're a freshman or whatever they are freshman sophomore if they can't get that job done I mean that's going to cause an issue yeah see I don't know that's you agree there because you know we can talk about 
oh, well, he's just a freshman or he's just a sophomore. But, you know, they were saying the same thing about us at the beginning of the year and because we only returned six starters. But by the end of the year, Malik Hooker was an All-American. Marshawn Lattimore yeah. was a first-round pick. Darian Conley was a first-round pick. But, but they, they aren't, aren't quarterbacks. Quarterbacks a whole different – you have the whole team on your back. I agree. I agree. I think that – I know they were talking about one guy. I forget what his name is, but they're saying that his ceiling is higher than their other quarterbacks, but his floor is also lower than all their quarterbacks because if he makes mistakes, it could be ugly, but he can make some passes that could win them the game. So it's going to depend what they decide to go with. Um, my gut says that they're still going to go with Spate. I really doubt that they're after what Spate did last year. I don't think they're going to. It's worthy of pulling him necessarily. Plus, I, I think Spate's a senior this year. Yeah. yeah. So, I think it's hard to... Oh, maybe he's a junior. He might only be a junior. But still, I think it's going to be hard to replace him because he did have a pretty good year. But Harbaugh has been known to do some weird things. Yeah. So, let's say we beat them. Let's say this, the spot's still good because the spot is always good. Yep. yep. And we go on to the Big Ten title game. I mean, most likely this is against Wisconsin. Unless somebody can convince me otherwise that Nebraska or Minnesota or Northwestern is going to win the Big Ten West, it's going to be Wisconsin. And I don't think nobody can make an argument good enough of why Wisconsin's not going to win the Big Ten West, in my opinion. Nope. I don't care who Wisconsin can start all new guys this year. I don't even care. Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Purdue are not good. No, 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 no. no. Wisconsin could have nine wins and win the Big Ten West. They could have 11 wins. Wisconsin also has an incredibly easy schedule this year where they could be sitting at 12-0 going into the um, going into the Big Ten title game because we'll do a quick rundown of Wisconsin's schedule. Utah State, Florida Atlantic at BYU, Northwestern at Nebraska versus Purdue. Versus Maryland, at Illinois, at Indiana, versus Iowa, versus Michigan, at Minnesota. Their only tough away game is maybe BYU and maybe Nebraska. Those are maybe tough road games. And then if they can beat Michigan at home, I think they're 12-0 and when they're in the Big Ten title game. Although, I don't beat Michigan at home. Although, Wisconsin always tends to screw up one game somewhere. They'll lose, like, at home versus Purdue or something, or... They'll slip up at Indiana. But they easily should have 10 wins when they go to the Big Ten title game. I don't think there's anybody that's really going to challenge them. They may not even play a ranked team until they play Michigan. Let's put it that way. The second last week of the year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those things, things where it's going to be us versus most. There's a very high chance it's Wisconsin, and I think we roll. I don't think it's as big as a blowout as, you know, when we massacred them with Cardale Jones and 12-gauge, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 42-10 to 10 game. Ask any Wisconsin fan about that game, and they go, oh, uh, it was paid off to that, it, it was supposed to be like that, it was rigged, blah, 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 when it really wasn't. Yeah, you can't rig Cardale Jones chucking it up like that. Devin nope. Smith made some incredible catches. Exactly. 
and 12 gauge showed what he was all about. And Ezekiel hit a hole and went 70 or 80 yards, and nobody even touched him. Oh, but they'll call it, that was a holding call on Jacoby Boring. Holding call has missed every play. Shut up. Yep. So I guess we're both saying we go undefeated and go to the playoff this year. Yep. Where we, we may struggle. struggle. So, so that's, that's the only place, place I think we struggle is the playoff. I'm not saying we're going to lose in the first playoff game. I'm not saying we're going to win the national championship. What I am saying, though, is if we aren't getting shut out again. No. There's no an Urban Meyer team will ever get, I'm not saying ever, but we'll get shut out back back years in the playoff game. No, no. And I think in that point, you look at who we're going to play, and I don't want to try and preview that because we're starting to go a little long. But, you know, for instance, if we play Alabama, they're going to play great defense. But if you play a USC, USC's defense is not good, and it'll be no. a shootout. But, and you know, it, then there's always – Arnold will have to uh, prove he's the number one pick to uh, go to the miserable Jets franchise. And th- those are just a couple of top teams. Every year there's one or two teams that come out of nowhere and make it up to the playoffs. You know, for instance, last year was Washington. Iowa almost made it two years ago. Michigan State made the playoff two years ago. We were the team that nobody expected three years ago when we lost Braxton Miller. Yeah. So, and TCU almost made it. There's always a couple teams that kind of just come out of nowhere that at the top of the you know beginning of the year you can look and not even expect them. Because mm-hmm. if you go by the top four teams this year, obviously there is no chance that these teams are at the top of the end of the year. Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, USC – is not going to be your playoff. Nope. You know, you could see a team like um, a Texas or, I don't know, Miami, Florida, Georgia, come out of nowhere and just have the team that they need and do it. So I don't really want to speculate the playoff because there's just so much up in the air. You know, Washington could make it again. They could beat USC. You know, Oklahoma could lose to us and then run the table. Yep. So, all right, let's do a quick preview of our positions real quick, and then we'll uh, end the show. Um, all right, so passing yards, obviously JT Barrett is going to lead the team in passing yards, barring any injury, knock on wood. Um, running back, I mean, I'm pretty sure Mike Weber is going to still be the leading rusher this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I'd say it depends, depends on, on how, how he plays. plays. If he can't play for the first two week, uh, week or two, I think Dobbins may be the leading rusher. That's the only instance where I think that it could affect. But he's saying he's going to be ready for the Indiana game. But I don't. it sounds like he probably is not going to be getting his 20 or 25 carries. I wouldn't be surprised if they limit him like 15 carries in the first game. Correct. And then Dobbins takes you know 10 carries, and they run the ball 25 times with the running back. And JT takes the ball 10 times, obviously. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, but... Another thing that could happen is if Weber doesn't play well, the, he doesn't get a lot of carries the first couple of games. You know, JT Barrett could also be up there at the top, you know, with six, seven hundred yards rushing. Yeah, that may be a little high, but most likely. But I, I mean, I'm still pretty confident that JT, um, not JT, uh, Mike Weber is going to lead the team in rushing. All right, after that, who leads the team in receiving yards? That is a big question for us this year. Ooh. Ooh. Last, yeah. last year was Curtis Samuel with 865 yards, and after him was Noah Brown at 402, and after him was Dontre Wilson at 352, 
And then you get to our leading returning receiver at Marcus Ball with 24 catches for 269 yards. And then uh, you got, you know, K.J. Hill, Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, Ben Victor, Corey Smith and James Clark are gone. Alex, A.J. Alexander is not, or he's not playing this year. He's injured. Johnny Dixon, Austin Mack. You know, you got, this could be a really interesting one. I'm going to go Paris Campbell, honestly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's probably, probably going to be Campbell or Mack, I'd, I'd assume. assume. I think Paris Campbell is going to be more of that Curtis Samuel-ish role when, like, catching the ball. Because Curtis yep. Samuel had 74 catches last year, which is, I didn't realize he had that many catches. You know, he had, yeah, he, he had 74 actually, catches. You know, I'm, I'm going to go, go with the surprise. surprise. Our, Our leading receiver will be Demario McCall. That's bold. That's bold. I don't know if yeah. he's going to get enough catches, but if you're, are you going receiving yards or receptions? I'm, I'm going, going receiving yards. yards. Okay. Because those are, I think there's going to be two, those are going to be two different things this year. I think somebody's going to leave receiving yards and somebody's going to leave in receptions. I don't think it's going to be like last year where it's Curtis Samuel with twice as many catches and twice as many yards and everybody knows it's going to Curtis Samuel. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody – like, I think Paris Campbell's going to lead the team in receptions. I yeah. think he's going to get a bunch of the 5, 10-yard – I think he's going to average, like, 10 yards a catch, but he's also going to have, like, 60 catches. Yeah. yeah. And then yep. I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody that averages, you know, 17 yards to catch a big play receiver, but only has, you know, 40 catches, but has yep. more yards than Parrish Campbell. I totally agree. So there's no offensive line stuff to talk about. Uh, who leads the team in sacks? <laughs> I know who you want to say, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> we're gonna go, go uh, Sam, Sam Hubbard. Hubbard. I thought you were gonna say Chase Young. I was, I was going, going to until he said I couldn't say Chase Young because he's not gonna lead the team in sacks. I am sorry. I know he's a beast, but he will not lead the team in sacks. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go, go Hubbard. See, I'm uh, I'm leaning towards Tyquan Lewis, returning Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year, his senior season. It's gonna depend. You know how he gets blocked. Who's going to get the double team? Because you get, somebody's going to get double team, but you're going to leave somebody, you know, one on one. And if it's Hubbard, you know, maybe Hubbard leads the team. Or I, I don't think either of the uh, defensive tackles really do it. But I could see Hubbard getting eight, nine, ten sacks this year for sure. And I could see Tyquan Lewis getting eight, nine, ten sacks as well. So I think that one's going to be a fun one to watch if I want to pay attention to. Because at the same time, Nick Bosa could lead the team in sacks for all we know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's one, one of those things. things. Once, Once you see who the starter is on a uh, line all year, we'll know for sure. So, I mean, right now I'm saying Sam Hubbard, but it could be Bosa. If he's starting alongside them. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be like a, a very, very close race. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a couple guys that have, you know, eight sacks or right around there, you know, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. And that some guy just has two and a half sacks in a game. That kind of sets him apart. Yeah. So who do you think leads the team in tackles this year? Now, Rayquan McMillan led the team last year with 102, but obviously he's gone. 
And after that, you had Jerome Baker with 83, and after that was Chris Worley at 70. So I think you're going to be looking at one of the linebackers. Obviously, Raekwon's gone. Chris Worley moves inside. And I think Worley's going to lead the team in tackles, honestly. Uh, I'm going to go Jerome, Jerome Baker. Baker. It's a good choice. It's a good yeah, choice. I mean, he kind of flies around the field. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, he flies, flies around, around all the time, time, so... I think that's a good one. Um, I would, I could definitely see him because he has that kind of. I mean, he's not as fast as Ryan Shazier. I mean, Shazier was really, really fast. He ran like a four three as a linebacker. So it was not uncommon for him to like be in the backfield when they were taking the handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of see Worley being a little bit. Not. Nah, I don't think he's gonna be as good as Raekwon McMillan. Raekwon McMillan is really good, but yeah. I could see him being that run stuffer up the middle. And just accumulating tackles just because he's there. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, that's kind of your it, job as a middle linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, let's get to this last one. Who leads the team in interceptions this year? Uh, who do I, I want to go, go with? with? <laughs> so based off of the, the returning guy with the most interceptions. Is Jerome Baker with two. Chris Worley had one. Damon Webb had one. Damon Arnett had one. And, uh, oh, Rajay Burns. I forgot about him, but he transferred. Yeah. So, <sighs> but you're going to have, I'll give you mine. I got a sleeper pick. I got Kendall Sheffield as our leading interception guy. That's, That's a, a very, very good, good one, actually. actually. I got Kendall Sheffield. He's got an experience. He's played two years. I think Denzel Ward is going to, you know, play well. But I got Kendall Sheffield because I think that dude is a stud already. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, mean, he's he's a very very good good pick. pick. Uh, I'm I'm not. not, I I want to say it's going to be Dan Webb. Webb. Just, Just, I don't don't know know why I have this weird feeling feeling it it might might be him. him. Damon Webb got a lot of shit last year for being the quote-unquote worst guy out of secondary, but the problem was he was a good guy in the secondary. If, if that's, that's the, the worst, worst guy in the secondary, you're preloaded. He, he was getting shit because, you know, but he's surrounded by three first-round picks, and if you aren't first-round talent right there, then obviously they're going to pick on him because he you don't want to throw against Lattimore or Hooker or Conley. No. So obviously they're going to pick on him. Yep. yep. But another offseason, you know, he had a full year of experience. I could definitely see him having uh, – he's not going to have seven. There's no way he is now that Hooker had. Hooker had seven, no. three touchdowns. But if Damon Webb had four and led the team, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. Not at all. So, no. I could definitely see him uh, leading the team. Um I think it's going to be a lot closer this year. I don't think it's going to be like where Malik Hooker at seven and everybody else was like a mile behind. No, it won't be like that. It'll be everyone's kind of in, in in around the same, like maybe five. It'll be more yeah, evenly spread out. I think some. I think yeah. the max for anybody is be five. And that's going to be, yeah. you know, that's a lot still. Five is, I mean, seven interceptions is ridiculous. Five is yeah. still a lot in a season. That's one almost every other game. So I think you're going to be kind of maxed out around four. I think it's going to be whoever has the most going to be a four. Yeah, five. 
So, um, yep. Is there anything else you want to add before uh, we sign off here, John? Uh, no, no, not really. really. So, in recap, we both had Ohio State going 12 and 0, winning the Big Ten championship, and then the playoffs to be determined on another date. Uh, went through a little bit of the preview. Uh, next week, we'll preview the Indiana game more in depth get a little bit more insight uh, as Ohio State takes on the Hoosiers next Thursday. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, the spot was good.